My name is Howard Dover. I'm out of Victorville, California, and I do interstate commerce. And I was just wondering if I thought you could take a three-hour break in the sleeper berth because they're sleepy, you know, and uh, you, you want to take a nap. Then it'll extend your 14 hours out three hours because you're taking the three hours in the sleeper berth, seven hours in the sleeper berth later. And I thought that would, that would help if you're sleepy, you know, and you need to take a nap for a little bit, but you don't want to lose out on drive time. That would, that would be my question. Thank you. So a huge thanks to Howard for the question and to you for tuning in for this October 8th, 2020 edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast, where we'll be answering a few hours-related questions and providing a bit of a window into several owner-operators' stories as told in part during my interviews conducted in the National Mall this past Friday, as the 10-4 on DC event took place again this year. It's a great window on a variety of perspective when it comes to trucking history, business approach, and more. Before we get there, though, the short answer to Howard's question about the ability to take a two- to three-hour nap and stop that 14-hour clock to not be penalized on your drive time by it, or your duty time by it, I should say, in the new split sleeper regs, yeah, Howard, it is possible to do just that. If you're relying exclusively on your electronic logging device to calculate your hours for you, however, like as not, you may get a confusing picture of whether that's a possibility or not at present depending on what logbook app you're using. In the updated Big Road logbook app, for instance, log a three-hour off-duty or sleeper period as your first in the split pair, and the app will continue to count that period against your available on-duty hours until you complete the second, longer, seven or more hour period. This is not exactly a problem when it comes to enforcement of the rule, I wouldn't guess, unless you're just handing the inspector your device to check your logs before you get the opportunity to take that longer 7-8 to hour period. But it feels to me almost like being gaslit by your device in a certain way, at least for anyone who's truly schooled on what's available to drivers under the new rules. The same issue is seen with the likewise popular among owner-operators Keep Trucking app, which left dial van safety director Sergio Hernandez and the 60 or so owner-operators leased to the company scratching their heads last week about the new regs and just why their e-log software was showing them in violation of the 14 after a two to three hour off-duty period that should not have counted against the 14 under the new rules. Keep Trucking Director of Regulatory Affairs Travis Baskin acknowledged the issue in a video posted to the company's YouTube channel, summarizing the problem and indicating the company was working on a fix to make the split sleeper experience a smoother one for its logbook users. And Keep Trucking's app, says Hernandez, the software assumes a split sleeper is beginning only if an at least seven hour sleeper period is taken first. If the shorter period is taken first on the off-duty line, however, as Baskin pointed out in his video, the app's computation of your available hours on the other side of that split will not reflect the 14 hour, clock, the 14 hour pause value of the break. The solution? Don't believe your device, uh, Baskin at Keep Trucking says. Essentially, add the time you took off back to whatever the clock on the device is telling you that you have for available on-duty time. Another way to think of this particular solution, just know the rule, whether your device knows it or not. Find our resources and in-depth looks at some of the issues via overdriveonline.com hours. You'll find illustrations there of the split 
in different scenarios that can work. Minus, in some cases, to the letter of law type logging. Yeah, we know we are missing those pre-trips. But for illustration purposes, most of, uh, most of these examples work okay. And some come direct from those at FMCSA with the best working knowledge of the hours rules and these new changes. All in all, the snafu with our electronic devices uh, here reminds me a little of the old saw about the slow pace of government and or regulatory change compared to that of technology and private business always the speedier of the pairs. This could well be an instance where quite the opposite has proved true. Our technology, it might be said, is lagging a bit behind the regs, as it were. Neither Keep Trucking nor Big Road responded directly to our inquiries for this podcast. We'll follow up if they do via reporting at overdriveonline.com. To be fair, the available hours clocks in both Keep Trucking and Big Road eventually get sorted out uh, when a second, longer sleeper period is taken in the above scenario. I've heard some similar complaints, uh, too, though, about other logbook programs and ELDs. And here's my main question for you. Are any of the devices out there getting it right when it comes to the pause value of the shorter period in the split when taken first in the off-duty sleep repair? Let me know via our podcast line at 530-408-6423. Or drop a comment under the post that houses this podcast. That's the October 8th post on the Channel 19 blog, overdriveonline.com slash channel 19. One thing I can envision is uh, a prompt that uh, asks the driver whether uh, the, the break is intended to uh, be part of the part of a split sleeper cycle or not. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody's got that in place as yet. Let me know when you can. So now for another question. This one comes from a short haul driver out in California. Hi, my name's George, I'm from Sacramento, and I drive a set of bottom dumps, a set of doubles. And if uh, we're hauling, uh, for instance, if we're driving uh, two hours to the job site, and we're just hauling dirt, picking up dirt from uh, one side of the road and driving a mile down the road and dumping it on the other side of the road, then we're having uh, probably 20 to 30 loads uh, on uh, in that day. Um, do we have to log uh, that as driving time or can that be just on duty time? So for instance, we drive two hours there, stay on duty while we're doing the loads a mile down the road and a mile back, and then two hours driving back, so a total of four hours of driving and just on duty while we're there going from one side of the road to the other. Not sure how to log that on our paper logs. Um, uh, anyway, thank you very much. So I spoke further with George after listening to his scenario for a couple of reasons. I, one, I wondered, is he in fact most often, as it sounded, operating under the short haul logbook exception for operations that stay within a 150 air mile radius? Two, if so, why is he worried about how to chart this kind of a move on a logbook? He said that yeah, most often drivers at his company were operating under the short haul exception and that the load and unload timestamp documentation satisfied the time record requirement for short-haul drivers. When the drivers were to exceed 12 hours, however, in a shift, the company required operators to fill out a logbook for that day. That was the correct approach prior to the rule change last week, which extended out from 12 hours to 14, the on-duty limitation for the short-haul logbook exception. Essentially, once company policy, in his case, catches up with the regs, again, there's that reversal of the typical tech-slash-business-versus-government-speed adage. Once his company policy adjusts to those new regs, his use of a logbook will be that much less likely, in any case. 
unless the job site extends beyond a 150 air mile radius from his base working location. As for just how to log a back and forth and back and forth load unload type of situation, my inquiry to regulators about it suggested that the way George had been doing it in his case was more or less likely uh, the correct way. Load, load and unload with dirt filled bottom dump doubles uh, as he hauls can take as little as five minutes, George said. So he essentially just logged every bit of his time back and forth as drive time with vertical hash marks to the on duty not driving line for each load or unload. If one of those exceeded 15 minutes, he'd account for that with some on-duty time. Otherwise, would remain on the drive line. Those of you who've logged those types of jobs on paper, how have you approached it? You can drop us a message at 530-408-6423. Okay, last question from the safety director of 60 truck dial van out of Laredo that I mentioned earlier. Hello, uh, my name is Sergio. I'm calling you from Dialvent Inc., a trucking company here in Laredo, Texas. And, um, well, I saw the video that you posted regarding the super birth provisional changes that are going to happen September 29th. Sergio was calling, obviously, before implementation of the new rules and makes reference to a video we put together that was a bit of an overview of the new 14-hour clock pause value of the shorter period in a split. You can find that video yourself via overdriveonline.com. Search where to find a 14 clock pause. After reviewing it, I got a very good understanding of what you're coming with. But, you know, I just have a, a couple of questions. One of my questions is, how will it work? So, I mean, you're saying on the video, they are saying that on the sleeper road provisional, if you rest seven and three, those, those, uh, those times are not going to get counted against the 14 hour clock, uh, which is the same thing uh, with the sleeper birth provisional that there is now, though the 8 and 2 or 2 and 8. Uh, but, you know, I know that the, the two do get counted as work. Um, so, in this case, neither periods are going to get counted as work, uh, are not going to get counted against the 14-hour rule. But with if you go ahead and use the, the, the shorter period uh, of two of minimum two hours uh, or three hours or even four hours, that's my question. Will that be considered a pause for your 14-hour clock? Or does it just go up to, you know, three hours, let's say, that you can pause your, your clock and anything above three hours, you know, will get added? That's my question there is. If you tuned into our talk with Joe DiLorenzo of FMCSA in the last podcast, or live when it happened in August, you know the director of the FMCSA Office of Enforcement and Compliance did answer Sergio's question here. So, will a period of four, five, or six hours be excluded in full calculation, uh, in full from calculation of the 14-hour duty window and in a split pair? The answer to that question is, in short, yes. Here's the relevant portion of that discussion. When it comes to the ability to stop the 14-hour clock, does it matter if the off-duty period is more than three hours? No, same thing there, minimums, right? Yeah. So it's gotta be a minimum of two. So if you make it, let's just say it ends up being four, okay? If you end up four, as long as you match it up with at least a seven, you know you'll have more than 10. You know, I keep and I can get that math. And uh, all four would be excluded from the calculation. You calculate it exactly the same way I walked through it on the slide before. If you missed the last edition of Overdrive Radio recapping our talk with the FMCSA's DeLorenzo there, 
Check it out via your podcast player or in the September 25, 2020 post on the Channel 19 blog where it's housed as well. That's overdriveonline.com slash channel 19. And keep those questions, tips, and more coming via 530-408-6423. Leave your name and base location with any message or question and we'll see what we can do to get some answers. Shifting gears here to a few of the operators who took to the National Mall this past Friday for a day of public outreach and regulatory engagement. FMCSA Acting Chief Wiley Deck paid a visit and had uh, about an hour-long direct discussion with a large portion of the group among a wide array of locals and other passers-by. That's a Big Ten Four on D.C. is in its third year this year, and the move was a little less lively out on the mall given fewer tourists, fewer locals, and fewer operators in the midst of this long, ongoing pandemic. The president, the day I was on the mall, was flown out of Marine One to Walter Reed Hospital himself, stricken with COVID-19. According to reports, he's currently on the mend, but on that day, everything remained particularly uncertain. Pile on top of that, unrest in the cities around the nation amid protests over racialized uh, violence, and, well, it's not the greatest time to hold much of any public event. But the devoted 30 trucks and their owners that participated with about twice the number of participants overall, uh, some of them without trucks, made for, as usual, quite a scene on the National Mall. This year, they parked facing the Washington Monument, and I caught the slow procession toward rollout at the end of the day for the first time this year. As night fell, quite a symphony of air horns, some train horns, and rumbling diesels. Combined with the voices of several operators you'll hear here momentarily, it all makes for quite a piece of audio. There's a video treatment of this too at the website. Search 104 on DC at overdriveonline.com. Operators and others you hear here appear in this order of first appearance. Fred Bowerman, an Ohio-based 104 organizer. Dan Davidson, small fleet owner of Davidson Trucking. David Lewis, Davidson driver and soon-to-be owner-operator of a 1990s International Eagle. Artie Daniel. Longtime owner operator of AC Daniel Trucking, a one man, two truck, five trailer operation out of McKinney, Virginia, who you hear the most from what follows. Mike Landis of Little Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Some of you will recognize his name. On brokered freight in the May Day protests earlier this year. CJ Carmen, West Coast former owner operator and maker of the Easy Logs ELD, also talking about the three week May Day protest visual outside the White House in May 2020. Todd Graham, two-truck leased fleet owner-operator out of Northwest Ohio. So enjoy that symphony of horns, which can feel raucous and somber at once, positively, sonically beautiful at times. Here's the scene starting at rollout from south of D.C. to the mall. involved with 10-4 about uh, three years ago. We uh, created the first 10-4. This is our third year. Um, 
just got involved involved because I wanted to help drivers to you know, get a little more voice in the industry. And uh, after the three years of advocating, I think that uh, some of the drivers in the different groups have actually made some difference because we have the uh, FMCSA now considering the driver board and things like that to help give drivers, you know, more of that voice in the industry. And, and I think that's what, you know, ultimately that's that's where it's about giving the guy behind the seat, you know, a little more say in, in what's going on. That's, that's my motivation. Oh, it's a good uh, good time to get, get you know, get away from the business a little bit. And uh, I like, I enjoy the camaraderie with the, the other truckers and being part of something and coming to D.C. here being in this I brought my last year I brought my grandson down here and we went you know took tours of the White House and the Capitol and this and that of course this year it's probably not going to be as, you know, able to do all that but there's so much to see here in DC and uh, I don't think anybody can see it in one or two days you know so I mean I've this is my third year, so... This is my second year for 10-4 on D.C. I missed last year, but I was part of the Strong 50 with Dan. Uh, I just met a lot of good people. I mean, it's it's fun. That's the best part about it. You know, just meeting new places. Doing stuff like this, it's just something, you know. I come to this event to help sponsor and promote the trucking industry. When we first started, everybody drove a cabo, and I think that gives you the impression that uh, you're the first thing on the scene when you run in the back of something. And uh, most of the time you get killed. And I think that made better truck drivers. They put these rookies in cab over trucks. And I said, you tell them I want you to go drive around Bobtail for a week in West Virginia. <laughs> I think they'll come back. If you don't regularly turn off people, they'll come back and be a truck driver. There's so much to learn. These old trucks don't stop bobtailing that good. And, Oh, uh, you know, I'd say give them a week, 500 miles a day of driving around Bobtail and you come back, if you ain't wrecked or uh, hurt nothing, we'll give you a trailer next week and let you go from there. But, uh, and log it, you know, get them, get them on the right trail. I believe, I believe that would help truck companies. Uh, it, it was surely, surely, uh, it's better than taking a, a man that's been driving six months as a, as a trainer and you train a guy for, for three weeks and then turn him loose on the road. I got three kids. I got two girls. They, they My my grandpa, that's who gave me the bug when I was a kid. Uh, I used to go riding with him when I was, oh man, I, you couldn't get me out of the truck. He owned his own truck. So I mean, I knew a little bit about owner op and all that stuff like, through him. You know. But every summer when I wasn't in school, and he'd tell me, hey, baby, you want to go for a ride? And I'm like, yeah, where are we going or whatever. And my mom would have to be calling. Well, back then, they still had pay phones, and, they, you know, they didn't have a cell phone. And mom, she'd be like, when's he coming home? And he'd be like, when you when you want to come home? I was like, oh, no, 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 let's go somewhere else. <laughs> so and then that gave me the bug, and always always to work on stuff and clean the trucks. And then uh, my wife, her grandfather, he was a truck driver. 45 years and you know he just recently passed away a couple years ago and he uh me and him would always talk about truck driving and my grandpa he was, he was a truck driver for 40 something years when he passed and, and then uh yeah i got two daughters and a son and hopefully you know, my son gets a bug like i did and 
Well, I started off, you know, like a, a lot of people. Uh, in fact, the first company I drove for, we all drunk cars, crushed down drunk cars. And then we hauled wood. And then 1978, I bought my first brand new Kenworth and uh, a W900, and I started hauling produce from California. And I ran from Virginia to California for 26 years. And New York City, Hunt Point Market, and all that. Uh, that's where we started. I still pull reaper. I haul pork and beef for a woman out of uh, Iowa, Illinois, and uh, South Dakota, and all. But I also have a haul from uh, Roanoke, Virginia, to Jacksonville with bread that I've been running since January, just one trip right behind the other. And I have a direct haul out of Alma, Georgia. I bring dog food back to Richmond, Virginia. So anytime I go south, I bring dog food direct back, and I sell dog food too. And uh, I got three different places, convenience stores and cheese stores and stuff, where I leave trailers at. And they sell it off my trailer. And, and uh, uh, that's the extra income. I have two trucks and five trailers, and I'm the only man. And they are, uh, I got hooked up with BBI Logistics out of Chicago. They have uh, all these contracts with all these major restaurants. If they have a cooler go out, like Cracker Barrel, Olive Garden, Ice Back Roadhouse, all these major restaurants. If they have a cooler go down, then I'll take a trailer down so they can save what they got and until uh, they get the cooler fix. And that pays good. That That's an extra income. And, uh, Every time uh, a tornado or hurricane comes through the area down there, I'm the first one he calls for Richmond, Virginia Beach, Asia, North Carolina. And uh, if I'm not home, I got a friend that spots the trailers for me with the other truck. And uh, uh, we'd be surprised how much we do for Walmart. You know, all the Walmart distributions have big generators, but none of the stores have generators. And you would think they would use their own trailers, but they don't. They do it all outside carrier. And uh, they they pay a flat rate of $400 a day, and uh, whatever amount of days. Sometimes they use them, sometimes they don't. But we still get guaranteed so many days, you know. And uh, so you got to find them little niches to help out. In, in this business, it's all in who you know. It's a lot about what you know. And service is the only thing you have to offer. And if you don't offer good service, they get somebody else. Uh, I told the dog food man, it took me a year and a half to get my foot in the door. And I told him, I said, look, I know I don't look like much, but if you give me a chance, I'll tell you what I can do. And I've been hauling it six years and haven't been late with Lou yet. And those people are good to me. Uh, I can go around the back of the building and load and come around the front of the building. They pay me for my freight before I leave. And you don't find that much anymore. You know, back when we first started trucking, the freight rate was on the bill of lading. And the 10% for the broker and the rest was driver's pay or truck owner's pay. And uh, then they started covering that up where you couldn't see so they could steal mostly. And, uh, uh, but it's up to you to make your mind up what you're going to haul it for. And, you know, I get 
three dollars a mile on just about everything I mess with anymore. Sometimes I had 380 last week. Now I, I had I had some 18 miles, paid 600 dollars, you know, for four pallets, and that was cheesecake. <laughs> and uh, but uh, it's it's all in creating a relationship with people that you can trust and they trust you. Amongst ourselves, we've talked about what brokers do and stuff like that as far as trying to gouge people on price stuff. I mean, it's an age-old game that we've all dealt with. For myself, you know, I, I have more of a contract-style work for the last few years, and I haven't been in the game of having to book loads off, which I've done for years, but not recently. And, you know, I have buddies that do, and you hear stories about how bad it is, but, you know, it's always, well, they ain't going to pay me what I want, I ain't going to haul it. And then uh, during the pandemic, I actually went and hauled groceries, which was another type contract thing. So I still wasn't dealing with the huge price gouging that went on, but I started hearing more and more about it. Once a truck driver, always a truck driver, you know what I mean? So I, well, we did an article um, about three weeks in a Slavic newspaper, about three weeks prior to the event, and we called in the Slavic community to come out and instead of talking to each other, you know, and crying about it, make a difference, you know, come out, uh, you know, do a you know peaceful protest and kind of you know speak out and you know have that awareness to the public you know, share it where you you know they can see what, exactly what's going on and you're being price gouged you're the ones that on the front lines delivering the food to the tables so people can have food during this you know pandemic uh, but yet you're the one are, you're the one that's getting screwed in the end and you can pay you know uh, 65 cents a mile which you can't even pay your bills you can't even fuel up your truck you know that uh, that kind of so that's what kind of came to my attention and I had a lot of customers that came to me and then they're like dude like we're getting screwed we can't pay you we can't, you know and i'm like dude like if it's gonna keep on going at the pace it's gonna go i'm not gonna have a job nobody's gonna have a job you know what i mean so i'm like somebody so needs you're to trying to do this job safely and make a good living for my family and i and trying to uh, make a little bit of a difference out here in, in the driver's safety and get us a little flexibility in our hours of service freedom that we all started this business for, or started into this business, because most of these guys out here don't want to work a 9 to 5 job or an 8 to 5 job, they want to do their own thing and, and, and make something for themselves. That was one of the things that got me involved back when they were implementing the ELD in 2017 when my buddy was telling me about that they were putting that in place and I it just really scared me because I, I, I don't think it's ever good for a driver to have to make a choice between making money and being safe we have to give them flexibility in their day be able to make a decent living and a decent amount of time but do it on a on a schedule that I can be flexible around traffic weather and loading conditions yeah.